This podcast is brought to you by sarahraven.com, which is home to everything you need for a truly beautiful and productive garden. You'll also find great and essential gardening kit and stylish, lovely things to have in your house to bring the outside indoors, all inspired by the garden and the house being tied together. There's also plenty of garden inspiration, how-to videos and specialist growing guides. So head over to sarahraven.com today to discover even more. Welcome to Grow, Cook, Eat, Arrange, the podcast of me, Sarah Raven. And today I have our head gardener, Josie Lewis, as my guest. And the reason I really wanted to have her on at this time of year is lots of us are going away on holiday and we're stressed, particularly with the increasingly hot and dry summers that we've been having with what on earth we're going to find when we get home, whether our gardens are just going to be plain dead, particularly the containers. And because Josie and I obviously try not to go away on holiday at the same time, but we're having to think about, because we've got so many pots here, 368 or something at the last count. So we obviously think about that, but not just about pots, but also about gardens, what one can do to keep the garden going on into the late summer and on into the autumn. So welcome, Josie. Thank you very much. Nice to be back. So we're continuing our 12 tips in the 2023 theme. And so in this one, we thought we'd try and think of 12 tips to give you. And the first I'll start with is it really is definitely true um, that in our experience here, the bigger the container, the easier it is to keep the compost hydrated. And so, you know, it makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, I find this with tomatoes in the greenhouse Lots of people who who come on courses are growing their tomatoes in grow bags or perhaps pots. And what I say is, is there any way if they've got a greenhouse to actually think about making an earth bed? Because it is so much easier to look after the bigger surface area of compost mixed with soil or whatever it is than all these little mini ones. And the same applies. So we find here We have these um, ex-animal water troughs that you can get from an agricultural supply shop. They're really good value containers um, made of metal. The thing is, even though they're metal and you think loads of stuff would evaporate, I mean stuff as in water, we actually find they require much less watering than the same surface area of small pots. So it really is an advantage as the summers get hotter and drier to have fewer larger pots rather than a battery of small ones. Can I just jump in while you're talking about troughs? Because that's reminded me, if you're using those metal troughs and you need to line the sunny side with polystyrene or some sort of mm. sheep's wool material just to stop the roots because the, mm. the metal can get quite hot. Mm. But as you say, it doesn't evaporate from the sides. Mm. No, and I've noticed that actually on the, we've got two big water troughs up on the, what's called the green stage, which is the balcony outside the Oast House here above the Oast Garden. And I noticed when I walked past yesterday that they're lined on the south side with polystyrene I thought oh canny Josie it's because it's insulating the compost against the worst of the intense heat of the metal of course so it makes sense so yeah very good and just to sort of reiterate on that we we have a lot of erigeron Kavinsky anus in little table center pots 
and they dry out so quickly in this weather. So what I would do with those is to get a barrow, fill it with water, put them all in, not fill it, just put, I don't know, five or six centimetres in the bottom of the barrow, put the mini pots into that, get on with the rest of your watering with the hose or the watering can, whatever it is, and then go back and take them out and let them drain. And that way you're not actually having to stand over them in water, but also they're uh, they're really hydrating well from the base. So if you've got small pots, do them by soaking rather than top watering. So over to you, Josie, the next point. Well, this requires a bit of forward planning, really. So in spring, if you know you're going away, July, August, then put together pots that you know will withstand a little bit of heat and neglect. Mm. So, you know, don't put dahlias in a prime Mm. position in a big pot that can't be moved if you know you're not going to be able to water or nobody's going to water for you for a little while. Mm. You know, think think about more Mediterranean type plants that'll put up with, with the heat and the sun. Rosemary and lavender are always good in pots yeah, of course they still need watering but they're just a bit more resilient yeah um yeah pelag- pelagoniums of course are, are quite good yeah south african things yeah yes exactly, yeah exactly yeah used to the baking heat yes yeah absolutely yeah and gaura tends to recover quite well um so that's another one that's quite good yeah we definitely found in that real intense heat that we had Last summer, the dahlias really struggled here, didn't they? Yes, Unless they did. Yes, really meticulously watered them. Yeah, and we were careful about the compost we use. You know, with a lot of uh, manure in it, so not not such a free draining compost. But of mm. course, you don't know if you're going to get a wet season, and then they'll be sitting in yeah. soggy compost. Yeah. So yeah. you have to balance it really. Yeah, yeah. Although that does seem increasingly unlikely, doesn't it? Yes. And then the the other thing that we thought was was important to to sort of suggest. And to be honest, we really need to take this more seriously in the garden here is an irrigation system. And we have a really brilliant one in the greenhouse on the tomatoes and the aubergines and the chilies, etc. And it's just a gardena make, I think, widely available online or in local garden centres with a timer. And certainly until it gets even hotter, it comes on for 10 minutes in the morning and 10 minutes in the evening. But a friend of mine called Sofka Zinoviev lives in Athens and she is a really fantastic and successful balcony gardener. So she has north facing, south facing, east facing, west facing balconies. And so obviously all of those need different amounts of timing. So we got 10 minutes twice a day in the greenhouse at the moment, but um, because the tomatoes are in their main growth spurt. But, you know, if it's on the south face, you may need to add a a third bout of watering to that regime. But she actually finds that sort of two or three minutes quite regularly is is more effective because it keeps the compost moist rather than allowing it to dry out and bake and then re-soaking it. But she, I mean, honestly, it's like a sort of jungle and it's in Athens with intense heat, absolutely no rain right the way through the summer months. I mean, you get rainstorms in the spring and the autumn, but you really tend not to in the summer. And so just thinking about if you've got a yard and you can keep your pots in a relatively static place, then thinking of fitting an irrigation system is something that I would really recommend. And I really think that we're going to have to do that more here, um, certainly for the larger containers. We'll have to ban Jonathan, I think. Yes, he moves the pots. The photographer who comes and moves all our pots. (laughs) That is true. Oh yes. Well, so then lining lining pots. So you've you've talked about lining 
metal already yes, with yeah. polystyrene. But are you a, a great believer in lining, Josie? Yeah, I, th I think terracotta, because so much evaporates through the sides of the terracotta pot when it's yeah. hot. You know, if you can line it with empty compost bags or, you know, anything like that to, to cut down on the evaporation, then that'll help the plant roots as well. You know, that's more for bigger ones. Yeah. It's so fiddly to do it with little ones, even yeah. though it would be, you know, it would be better. It would help them. Yeah, yeah. No, and, and that makes complete sense. And we did a trial last summer of these little terracotta spikes that you put into the compost, into the top, and you fill them with water and they gradually leach out. Now, if you were going away for a weekend or even three days, that would be really worthwhile. I think if it's a whole week or a fortnight, then you would need to get somebody to come in and, and refill the terracotta spikes. But they, they helped us in the short term, didn't they, Josie? They do. I mean, they look quite nice as well. The traditional yeah. one is like a, an upside, an empty lemonade bottle or something like that, yeah. that you pierce holes in the lid and yeah. fill from the cutout bottom. Yeah. But obviously that's not quite so pretty if you're leaving it there all the time. Yeah. Um, the terracotta spikes look nice. Mm. Um, and we use the, the olla pot as well. Mm. It's like a, how would you describe it, a bulbous pot that you... Yeah, it's sort of almost not egg-shaped, yeah, it's sort of, anyway. You yeah. sink it into the compost and uh, fill it yeah. with water and put a cork on top so it doesn't evaporate through the top. Um, and that leaches out slowly and it, it contains more than the spikes, so that was quite yes. good. Yeah. yeah, good. So we tried those last year and, as I say, for the long term, not much use, but certainly in the short term, for a hot weekend, they're really, really worth using. Yeah, yeah. And in that theme, uh, capillary matting? Yes. Um, so if you're going away, then, you know, if you can stand your pots on capillary matting with a, with, next to a water source, so if you've got a bucket full of water, drape the capillary matting out and under the pots, and then it, uh, the capillary matting will just keep drawing the water from the bucket mm. and keep the area wetter, more humid, you know, it's not watering the pot, it's just... Oh, that is that is a good tip. Because, I mean, I, I was on watering duty this weekend and, blimey, it was hot. <laughs> and um, I went down and I, um, Josie, under strict instructions, uh, Josie had told me that I must remember to water the floor as well as the plants and the capillary matting on the beds of the things that were still in the polytunnel, actually. And, you know, I could really, really feel the difference in the temperature as I watered. And, of course, it was evaporating pretty much straight away. But, you know, just like a dog, the reason it, it, it pants is it's evaporating water over its tongue surface area and it cools it down. And just like with us sweating, it's just like, you know, if you water the floor, it will really drop the temperature of the whole environment. And, you know, when it was up, it was up to 50 degrees at one point when I went down at 230 yesterday afternoon and i mean you, you no plant's going to live very long no, in that heat unfortunately no, um particularly the sort of things that we grow here like even if they're half hardy annuals but you know any of the perennials i mean like the flocks were looking really pretty dead even zinnias i think of as something that thrives in quite a hot situation were really struggling and two or three out of a tray had actually just plain fried they just died even though i watered them in the morning and the and the and the afternoon and it also, if you if you have if there's plants you can't take out of the greenhouse, say if you're growing your tomatoes in there, you know have 
buckets full of water or sources full of water around the plant so that can evaporate. And like you say, it'll drop by two or three degrees when you hose down the the floors, the surfaces. And of course, in a traditional Victorian greenhouse, you get those beautiful lead water tanks, don't you? Yes, yeah. And that, of course, I guess, as well as being there to dip your bucket into or your watering can into, it's there to... You get the evaporation. Evaporation and keep the atmosphere a cooler and and more humid. So, you know, just general things, but basically empty your greenhouse. I mean, that's the main message, isn't it? Don't, you know, it's no coincidence. (laughs) Most, you won't find much in a greenhouse apart from perhaps the South African things like pelargoniums in intense heat because there just aren't that many plants that we grow. No. Apart from cactus and echeveras and things that we'll put up with that temperature fluctuation of such intense heat in the day, uh, you know, falling quite cool in this country at night yeah people often ask what they can grow in their conservatories yeah with you know with no shading yeah there's very little really that'll put up with that yeah and then you're a great believer in grouping small pots together aren't you yes yeah they form their own little micro environment and it, it just helps you know and if you can put them on the shady side of your house obviously that makes a huge difference yeah. Uh, but gather them together. And if you can stand them in saucers, you know, so much, so much yeah. the better. Yeah. The deeper the saucer, the better. You don't want the roots, you know, if it turns wet, you don't want the roots sitting in water so they rot. You can put gravel in the saucer to raise the pots up. But all the time you've got that evaporation going on, mm. uh, then that's obviously helping. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, it, it's a really good point that you've always said to me, which is, you know, grouping, grouping, grouping. So in my pot book, I know you, I, I wrote about gathering pots together because you've sort of drummed it into me. <laughs> and, and particularly, it just, it just makes it easier. If you manage to persuade somebody to come in and water for you when you're on holiday, then before you go, just put them into little tight families. And, you know, the big ones will then shade the smaller ones uh, or the medium ones and then shade the smaller ones. But also it just means that that person can nip in, do, you know, quick water with a hose if you're allowed to or with a watering can if you're not with bath water or whatever it is. But it just by by making them into a into a family, it definitely, definitely makes it much, much easier. And the other thing that you've taught me is really think of every single plant in that pot, if it's a big pot, or when you're watering, particularly on a really hot moment, remember to give that extra bit to the plants at the back because it's so easy for the front ones to get a little bit of borrowed water as you're moving towards the back. But it's those back plants that often are the ones that seem to die in the cold frames and yes, the polytunnels yes, here. Yes, that's it. And yeah. it's actually so, you know, when I was watering yesterday, I actually started at the back <laughs> because you've drummed it into me so much. And then I know that I've, they're covered. But otherwise, you know, you just find those are the ones that die. So I think that's a really important one. Yes, and the, and the same thing applies with buckets of water. You know, if you're, if you're going away, put buckets of water amongst what we were saying about the greenhouse. Do it outside as well. Yeah, you know, buckets full of water will help that little family of pots. Yes, yes, of course. In the middle, in the midst yeah. of it, yes. absolutely, yeah. And then hanging baskets, Josie. What What's your tip with Ooh, those? Our favourites. Mm. So, <laughs> well, if you're going to do hanging, you know, I quite like a hanging basket. We mm. don't have many here because they are such hard work. Mm. So the the thing to do is get 
the deepest ha- hanging basket that you can manage. Yeah. Uh, the conical ones are better Yeah, because uh, you can get deeper rooting in yeah. that. Make sure that they're, you know, they're lined really well. Um, so, you know, if you're just using moss, it's not enough. You mm. need to line inside the moss as well. well. You used to put socks in, didn't you? Yes, anything. Because <laughs> they absorb the water and then release it slowly. Yeah, it's any sort of cottony material, T-shirts or anything. Or your or son's anything. old rugby shirt. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, those fleecy cotton shirts are great yes. because they hold a lot of water and re- release it slowly. So, yeah. I never took the ones that they were wearing at the time, no. so they weren't looking for them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I love your tip of with a hanging basket, get a bucket that, that holds the hanging basket and put water to the level that it's still below the level of the basket. Yes, so just, otherwise it will rot, of course, Yes, but just below. And then for that time when you're away, the heat will evaporate the water in the bottom of the bucket and it will, by humidity water the roots of the hanging basket. I think think that's rather genius. So take your hanging baskets down. Don't leave them, oh gosh, particularly on the south or west face where they're going to get, you know, particularly parched. But bring them down and just just store them on some kind of watertight container that that, um, you can put a little bit of water in the base. I mean, that will really make a difference, I think. Yeah, and it's the wind as well, isn't it, as well? Especially for a hanging basket, the yeah. the wind will dry them out so quickly. Yeah, yeah. And then having spent the weekend gardening in pretty intense heat, one of the things that I was trying to do, this is borders rather than pots, is I was trying to hoe off the weeds, which then just flop instantly. Annual weeds, you know, the annual grasses, groundsel, chickweed, any of the veronicas or whatever that have seeded into the garden here. So I hoed them off left them for a couple of hours so they wilt and then I could just rake them up really easily and put them on the compost but the reason I've done that is that now then I put the sprinkler on the whole of the bed that I was weeding and so then I mulched so you're mulching after you've watered because of course then the the carpet of mulch goes over the top of a moist soil and will really help decrease evaporation and that's the point one of the many points of mulch. One is it's a weed suppressant. Two, it's a moisture retainer. And three, it improves your soil texture. And even, you know, if you get the right organic stuff, it will actually help the mycorrhizae and the microorganisms. And and you're you're not digging down, you're just adding on top. So mulching for really, if we're going to go into, you know, as it looks like we are, much hotter, drier summers, Mulching's got to become part of our whole garden procedure, I think. And there's always the worry about amino pyrolid, which is the broadleaf herbicide used in a lot of horse and pony paddocks against ragwort, which has such a long half-life. And I'm sure you've heard me talk about it before, but we actually lost a whole dahlia trial, which is, of course, a broadleafed plant, family of plants, through amino pyrolid damage to the compost that came in in a bought-in load of compost, and we then spread it out lovingly all over our soil, and it then killed everything apart from Casmanthium latifolium, which we'd planted as mini sort of blocks to hedge off the different areas of the dahlia trial. And that is a narrow-leaf plant. It's a grain or a grass, and of course is not affected by a broadleaf herbicide. So that grew like topsy, whereas the dahlias all curled up and died. So that has been our worry historically here about buying in mulch. But we definitely think that green waste 
for that reason, is slightly safer than green rice mixed with farmer manure because unfortunately, if the horse has ingested amino pyrolid treated grass, then it's going to get into your garden and has a long half-life. So I hope that explains it enough, but that's been our awareness historically about buying in any mulch material. So we've been trying to make our own. Yeah, it's, if you can make your own, it's great. And of course, the, the other way it gets into the system is clopyrolid, which is in uh, you know selective weed killer for lawns. Uh, yeah. And if people put their clippings in the Cancel waste bins, which you're not supposed to do. Ah. Then it's again in the, uh, you know, in the whole cycle. Uh, and I believe that is also used quite widely in golf courses, isn't it? Yes, yeah. Yeah, and if that gets into cancel waste, ah. it sounds a bit scaremongery, but yeah. if people read the instructions on weed killers, if, if you insist on using weed killers, it's fine. You know, you're not, don't put it in the bins. Well, that's a really good point. So if they were to buy in, like, when we we got some um, green waste delivered the other day and you immediately came over and got a a whole lot of bean seed and you were saying, because they're very quick to germinate, so Josie does either a broad bean or a runner bean or a whatever French bean germination test and you can germinate them in a few days and they will, if they grow up looking healthy as anything, then you know that that batch is clear if they grow up a little bit gnarled and a little bit almost blackened and sort of distorted, then unfortunately that is probably one of these chemicals uh, have contaminated it and you need to get the supplier to take it away and try a different supplier to, to get a different source. And to be honest, it kind of isn't the supplier's fault because they can't know exactly who is supplying into their supplier. And And what we found is that our supplier was perhaps getting their farmyard manure from 30 different sources and they understandably really um, said that they couldn't test every single supplier and you, you only need one that's using it and you will contaminate one batch. Anyway, that's rather a negative thing, so let's not end with that. Josie <laughs> is a great houseplant enthusiast and carer. She's brilliant at her houseplants. She looks after them here and whenever I look after them, I kill them. Whenever Josie does, they thrive. So one last tip for those of you who don't have gardens, but perhaps have houseplants. So yeah, if you're, if you're going away, it's the same, same thing really. Group all your houseplants, take them out of, off the windowsills. If it's north facing, you know, fine. But any south or west facing windowsills, take them off. Put them in the bath or the shower. I mean, right. it's a holiday for them as well. Shower them down so they're wet. You know, don't don't necessarily stand them in water. Mm. Um, again, you can use capillary matting, which will hold the water around mm. them. In the base of the bath. Yes. It's very good at all yeah. the shower. Or the tray. shower, yes. Yeah, just keep the whole environment around plants inside or outside as, as damp as possible. So again, a bucket help. of water in the bathroom as well yes. would really yeah. help. With and you could it. use the capillary wick again oh, yes. into that. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, there we are. Loads of tips for you for the holiday season and I hope that will help your garden and houseplants remain healthy while you go away on holiday and so you can come back and enjoy them through the autumn. Thank you, Josie. Pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to Grow, Cook, Eat, Arrange with me and Josie Lewis, our head gardener. Next week, um, as we approach autumn... And it's a really great time to be thinking about the structure of the garden and also to plant shrubs and trees 
I've invited Gary, our senior horticultural buyer, who is so incredibly knowledgeable about trends. And he's really passionate at the moment about shrubs. And so I thought he would be a really great person for between us to think of the real classics that I would be sad to not have in the garden here, but also some corking new ones. See you then. You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes we talk about on this podcast by heading to the show notes or at sarahraven.com forward slash podcast.